thanks, you guys. You can be seated. Again, if you're just coming in, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here. And, you know, a, a few years ago, here at Sundance, we were looking for, like, someone to connect with and to partner with in, in a way that would make us not just a great church for one another, but to help us look beyond our four walls and, and to look for places where we could bring hope to the world. And God led us to World Vision. And uh, as you know, over the past few years, we've been running in the L.A. Marathon. We're going to do it again this year for clean water. Right, Sunridge? We're doing that. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. And uh, some of you are, like, in a lot of pain right now. And he's in the suffering, too. That's what I can say. So, but what I've loved about World Vision is not just the way their organization works and, and our, our hearts are knit together, but I've gotten to connect with who has been our point person uh, from the very beginning, Johnny Huddle. And when, when I started thinking about this Greater Things series that we're in, talking about, you know, what, what is the greater thing that God wants from us? This whole thing came together in, like, you know, how Christians say it's a God thing. And it was truly a God thing for them to be, a, to be here today. And I can't think of a person that I would want in, on our stage to inspire us more to, to a greater thing than Johnny Huddle. And so, Sunridge, I want you to give a warm Sunridge welcome to my friend and our point person over at World, at World Vision, Johnny Huddle. Thank you, Johnny. Come on up. How's everybody doing? Matthew 25 challenge, homies. Which was the toughest day? Day one was skip lunch. Day two, only water. Day three, sleep on the floor. Day four, wear the same clothes you wore on day three, which probably nobody noticed unless you're 18 or younger. Everybody notices at the schools. Nobody notices at work. Let me hear it. Which was the toughest day? Day two, somebody said? Coffee person? No? Just, just was tough. Just was tough. Day three, somebody said? Yeah? Anybody? A hand on this one. For anybody, was it day five? Reaching out to somebody in need. Let me tell you, I see that hand. It, it's been that for me. <laughs> and it was on Friday. Um, the hardest day of the week was reaching out to someone in need, and day three was up there too for a variety of reasons, not just the challenge itself. I did it with you this week is what I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> I skipped that. I felt like the Lord called me to do it. We launch them you know, regularly, but I just felt like I wanted to do it with you. And, uh, um, and I did not want to reach out to this person. <laughs> Um, I know it's being like recorded, and I say awkward things, so now it's on the interwebs. But, uh, um, but I didn't, and it was, it was incredibly powerful that we connected. But there was so much fear going into it. And uh, let's put up that first picture of my family. I've shown you this picture before. I get to talk to you today about the last day of the Matthew 25 challenge, which is sponsorship, sponsoring a child. So the hope with the Matthew 25 challenge is we take the $39 a month that sponsorship, my family of, 
we sponsor five children by God's grace. <laughs> and, uh, um, and so our monthly debit number is a little bit bigger than that. But when we see it come out of our account, we don't think, oh, we're donating to World Vision. That's a good thing. We really do see our sponsor kids. We feel we're in a relationship with them. But that's not a universal thing among child sponsors. So we came up with the Matthew 25 challenge to try to yank us out of the anesthesia of comfort that we're all drowning. I mean, can I say that? I mean, we are all drowning in it. Somebody came up to me after the last service. They had said day one was the toughest day. And I said from stage, oh, skipping lunch. And they said, well, I don't mean that. And I heard them say that. Well, they came up and explained to me at the table, Johnny, skipping lunch, it wasn't that it was hard. I am surrounded by food all the time. I, I caught myself pulling into a drive-thru to get food during the fast, and I wasn't even really hungry. It's just, it was just like muscle memory. I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but I'm not, we're not doing this to like, hate our culture, but to awaken us to how radically blessed we are. And so my family, that's my oldest son, Carlton, on the right with the swag bow tie. He got to meet his sponsor kid in Uganda with me this summer. He climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with me. It was an epic time. He is holding our youngest daughter, Lucy, who's five and runs the family, um, she, we were sponsoring four kids. She walked up to me with another child, and she said, Daddy, this is my best friend. And I said, no, it's not. We, are, we have four best friends, and we sponsor five kids. So I lost that one. I mean, how can you say no? that heart's awakening, and, it's, and I'll get back to what I think is happening there in a minute. But that's the blonde tornado in the middle there, Sydney Olivia Huddle, the only girl on her all-boys basketball team, playing power forward, crushing it. She loves her sponsored child so much, um, and hers is named Anita. And, uh, um, and then that is my 8-year-old son, Elijah, who has never looked at a camera once in his life. Like, I've got like a 1,000 photos in my Photos app. They're all this way or that way. He refuses to do it. I don't know if he thinks the camera's going to rob him of something or, or what it is. And that's my beautiful wife, Amanda. Isn't she beautiful? We did date night last night. We crushed it. That's my beautiful family. I've shared this story so many times. It took 299 photos to get that one photo. That's the actual number from our photographer. Because Carlton said my arm is shaking. It was about to fall off. He was having to hold her so tight because the little five-year-old was pinching and doing terrible things. Terrible things. And, um, and this is how we are, guys. We love to show the one photo. We don't like people seeing the 299. We want them to see the best of us. We don't like them to see our weakness. Well, last year I told you that my wife said yes to running. Remember that? L.A. Marathon. Some of y'all remember that. I got to tell you the end of the story. Go to the next slide. So this is her. She broke her hand on a meaningless three-mile run. Some of you are like, meaningless three-mile run. But my Team World Vision runners know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. Yeah, some of these, some of the runs, the short runs are like, oh, finally, I can just go coast and chill and 30 minutes and pray. And she's out there, she slips, she breaks two bones in her hand. I thought she's done. There's no way you can do your 20-mile training run with two bro bones broken in your hand. She said, no way am I done. True story. This is exact quote, Johnny. God is hollering in my heart that Anita does not have clean water. Go to the next slide. This is Anita, one of our sponsored children, with Sydney Olivia Huddle on the beach, Manhattan Beach, 
Last year, Anita got to come visit us and be with us in L.A. It's the first time World Vision's ever done anything like that. How many photos do you think it took me to get that photo? I got 100 just like it. Nuclear life coming out. I'm a child of the 80s, so I'm always using, like, nuclear metaphors when I get big. All right, electric, powerful, kingdom of God, agape love pouring out of these kids because that's what childhood is all about. At home, Nita's walking 12 kilometers, round trip on average. She's going, she's searching for water. She's, she, she has to do it every day, three water walks every day. But there's the joy you see. That's the joy we want to see. And that relationship works both ways. And Manda had that hollering in her heart. And so go to the next slide. End of the story. Boom, that's my wife. Victorious after LA Marathon. It was the ugliest marathon she'd ever done. She's totally a runner. She, it took her, for, in her words, forever to get across that finish line. And when she broke her hand, she was crushing it in her fundraising. She was a hero medal runner already. That means she'd raised $3,000 and provided 60 kids with clean water for life. And she looked really good doing it all the way into that weekend. It was the best year of training she ever had until she broke her hand. Standing right there, being willing to be seen in her weakness, Remembering the relationship she has with her sponsored child, $28,120. That's what she fundraised. She was the top fundraiser in all Team World Vision last year at the race where we broke a million dollars in total fundraising. That's 563 kids getting clean water, safe bathrooms, and sanitation for life. Go to the next slide, my brother. And this is my Johnny's Illuminati diagram. You, remember, you may remember this. Who has struggled with old thinking or old behavior? Raise your hand. Yeah, come on, y'all. You don't come to church to tell lies, all right? If you've struggled with old behavior or old thinking, raise your hand. That mean, if you open your fridge up and inside your fridge it says you got some old behavior in here, homie, get your hand up, all right? What we do in Western culture is we love to learn and tell ourselves that if I learn this, then I'm going to do greater things, right? If I listen to the sermon series, all I got to do is listen and enjoy the series, then I will magically do greater things. No, to do greater things, you've got to act, Amen. So when you focus on learning, you slide down the learning slide to new thinking and old behavior, which I think is why we're the most self-medicating culture in the history of planet Earth. We're in this tension of we all know all this stuff, yet our behavior doesn't fall in line. Some point in time when you break your hand, you got to just keep doing the training. you got to go down that action line. I don't understand how I'm going to do this. I don't understand how, how in the world am I even going to take care of my kids and open the car door with all the Costco stuff. I got, I, Johnny's gone all the time. She stepped through fear. She did it, and it led to new thinking and new behavior for both of us, for our whole family, and incredible victories for the kids that we run for. Go to the next slide. And so this is Jesus in his action moment in his own hometown. You, you remember in Luke 4, Jesus is going on like this whirlpool tour of the region of Galilee. He's rocking every synagogue. I mean, literally, he's rocking them like an unclean spirits are being cast out, people being healed, miraculous things are happening. Rabbis are fronting on Jesus, and Jesus is not like running from them, but he's dealing with them head on. And then, boom, these incredible things are happening until he ends up in his hometown synagogue where he grabs the scroll of Isaiah. And he finds in Isaiah where it's written this scripture. Want to read it with me? Can we read it together? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the PCBO. One, two, three, say that. PCBO. PCBO. One more time. We should never forget those uh, those, those little initials, PCBO, that's the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. There's one Bible translation that actually treats all those things as spiritual metaphors. Certainly, Jesus did not literally mean the poor, captive, blind, and the oppressed in the literal level. He means the spiritually poor, the spiritually captive, the spiritually blind, the spiritually oppressed. I'm sure he meant that too. I'm sure he meant that too. But if you know in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, at that time in history, none of those folks were allowed to even come inside. Jesus is saying to his hometown synagogue, I got a vision for you. Here's my vision. Let's make our entire movement about the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. And not, not to just like commiserate, but let's proclaim to them that this is the year of the Lord's favor. History's changing. The Messiah's showing up. What do you say? Are you with me? They were so blown away by his teaching. And then fear entered their hearts. And if you know the story, all right, and by the way, this is where Luke Cage gets his name. It's from Luke 4.18. It's from that verse right there. It's, the, it's a heroic moment in Jesus' life. It scares his hometown so much they grab Jesus by the back of the neck, literally take him to the top of the cliff his town is built on. This is in the Bible. And they're going to throw him off that cliff and kill him. Because they do not want the implications of all this. It's the same thing for us. Like, well, okay, I go through the Matthew 25 challenge, but now can I go back to my anesthesia? Man, at the end of Matthew 25, Jesus says, if you do not see me in the eyes of the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed, in the eyes of the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger who needs to be invited in, the naked who needs to be clothed, the sick person who needs to be tended to, the imprisoned person who has no one to visit them, this is a king talking in Matthew 25. What king or president would ever have a prisoner who's a brother? Can someone answer that question? None, right? Yet Jesus is saying, those are my brothers and my sisters, right? Well, coming back to it, they were so threatened by this, they tried to kill him. The good news is that Jesus escaped. Now, how he escaped, the Bible just says he merely passed through their midst. How he escaped has been a mystery. Until now, recent discovery, Dead Sea Scroll describes the moves that he made to escape this maddening crowd. And we have a reenactment of it on this video. I want to show it to you. Didn't even really want to go. But if you get me out, you get a show. Are you down, did it, down, did it, down, did it, down, down, down? That's Jesus coming down the cliff. All right. He's got his AirPods on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> this is my favorite one coming up. On the eagle's head. All right, you can stop it. <laughs> Get your mind around this, though. His hometown tried to kill him. His hometown tried to kill him. They really did. Because he wanted to make his ministry about the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. And in the entire gospel of Luke, that's exactly what he does. It's exactly what he does. Even in Luke 9, when he goes, he visits these Samaritans, and they reject him. And James and John are like, let's call down. Let's go Charlottesville on them. Let's call down fire from heaven and destroy them. And Jesus rebukes them. Because even Jesus knows you can't coerce everybody, and you can't bully everybody. You, 
you got to give people the right to say yes and the right to say no. That that shows them love. And so I want to go to this next slide. This is uh, one of the problems we have. These are the folks that saw Jesus in that Matthew 25 passage, did not know they were seeing Jesus in the eyes of the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger, and they did not help those people. And so they're like incredulous because Jesus says, you did not help me when I was in need. And they say, Lord, what are you talking about? (laughs) When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? Lord, we know you right now. We're looking in your face. When were you a stranger for uh, for us? When did you need clothes? Or when were you naked? When were you sick? Or when were you in prison? What are you talking about that we did not help you? And he says in the next verse, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Now, your Bible translation may have that different. That's actually close to the original Greek. Some of our translations say, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did not do for me. But it's not there in the original Greek. Jesus does not let the cat out the bag there. All these folks that you overlook, those are my brothers and sisters. Now, he saves that for the folks that respond. We're going to get to them in a minute. But go to that next slide. Now, I'm going to kick through this quick. It's another weird old Johnny diagram. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I just like saying it three times, you know. So, <clears throat> so you got the God, church, world. Overlap. That's what I call this diagram. Those are three spaces. There's a space where God is. There's a space where the church is. There's a space where the world is. There's some theologian in the room saying, technically, Johnny, God is the whole slide. You're right. Okay? It's just a, it's just a dumb diagram. Just hear me out for a second. Okay? There is a space where God overlaps the presence of the church, but the world is not absent. Can you see the God church overlap? If you can't, say yes. That space could be at times our church space if we're not careful. It's a space where the world is absent. We are just with God, with the church. We speak a language the world doesn't understand. We feel more at home in that space because the world is absent. That works against what Jesus prayed for us in John 17. The night he's betrayed, he's praying, Father, do not take them out of the world. Keep them in the world, but do not let them become of the evil one. They need to be one with me as I am one with you. I want that unity to drive them, even to those who will never see me. They'll hear my testimony through them. I want you to do the same thing for them. That's Jesus' prayer, right? And Jesus lived south of the God church overlap. He just did. He lived in that world space. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Right now in history, the God-world overlap. Can you see that one? Say yes. Never before in history has this been more visible than it is right now. We have colleagues around us, people who don't necessarily believe what we believe, awakened to issues of justice, awakened to the orphan and the widow, awakened to the plight of the poor. But when the world sees that people are being taken care of, what's the number one emotion that comes out of the world? It's anger. And that's where we do our little dance. Peace out. I don't want to deal with your anger, world. And we start sliding away. And that's the money place where we we can't run from that. And I know there's Christian books arguing you do need to leave that place. I know those books. You don't have to agree with all those writers. Can you imagine Jesus sitting down with you at coffee saying, hey, all those hurting people, get them out of your life. Just surround yourself with uplifting people, okay? The poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. Do you imagine that as an infinitely uplifting group? I don't. And I'm not coming at you right now. This is, God's been coming at me with this word for weeks. So <laughs> you're kind of enduring with me. There's one more overlap I want to address, though. 
there's opportunity in the God world overlap. Our Team World Vision runners see it every time a non-Christian donates to their fundraising page. We know that out of 2 million people polled by World Vision in 2015, 92% consider clean water something very important or important that they want to fund. 69% say they're ready to fund it now, but they don't know who to give to. Those numbers are real numbers. People are ready to act, but in the church world overlap, we use the freedom that God has given us, the salvation that he's given us to kind of like build up our egos so we feel we can condemn the world. Anybody had a friend or family member burnt by the church world overlap? Can we raise hands on this one? Can we be bold and raise hands on this one? Hey, listen, y'all, I have burnt somebody myself in that overlap. I'll tell you right now, I have grieved over that, and I'm trying to stay in the middle. That's where the cross is raised. The Romans are there. The Jewish people are there. The early church is there. Jesus is there. Everybody's together. History gets changed where God, the church, and the world come together. Everything can be used for God's glory in that space. But we have to enter that space. And the same thing, if Peter sees Jesus walking on water, he's going to get out that boat, and he's going to walk on water to Jesus. There's one reason he's going to do it. And it's because it's Jesus out there. It's that relationship he has that's drawing him out. You feeling me? The hardest thing we do in life is relationships. If I ask you, what's the toughest thing you've ever done in your life? Most of you won't even think of relationships when you answer that question. You'll think of a job or a sickness or illness. That's how desensitized we become to how tough our relationships are for us. But... Here's the hope. With the Holy Spirit, with the power of the living God, we can have local and global relationships that transform the world for his glory. Isn't that awesome? That's worth a hand clap. Let's go to that next slide. So when Jesus says this, come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. This is a king talking. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you welcomed me. Think of all the things a stranger could be. Someone with ethnic differences than me. Someone with ideological differences than me. Different gender than me. Different age demographic. Different financial status than me. Think of all the things a stranger could be. Right? There could be people in your life right now that we treat as strangers. Because we just don't feel we connect with them. But here he says, I was a stranger, you invite, you welcome me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Of course, they say the same thing. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? This is the question Pastor Britt was asking that led us into our remembrance time at communion. When did we see you, Jesus? What are you talking about? And they, he says... In the most wonderful way. In the next verse. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. The poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. The hungry, the thirsty. The stranger. Whatever you were doing for the least of these, you did it for me. And Go to that next slide, my brother. See that beautiful girl right there? That's Anita. And Anita, Jerotich, Bartuin, and her mother, Dina, are in the house. They're here with me today. Karibu Sana. Woo! Give it up. And my colleague from World Vision Kenya, Cecilia Musau. 
Karibu. Anita. Dina. If you would like to welcome them, the words are Karibu Sana. Karibu Sana. One, two, three. Yeah. Asante sana. Anita, can you say your name, my friend? Can you say your full name? My name is Anita Gerudic Bartuin. Good job, by the way. Okay, good job. All right. How old are you? How old are you? She's 13 years old. Yeah. What level of school are you in? Last And what do you like to do? She loves to study. Hmm. She loves to study. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about America so far? She's loved aeroplanes. <laughs> she just said exactly that, too. I love aeroplanes. So we went to LAX. There's a little burger joint right there, right on the airport with a park next to it. We got something to eat. We tried to jump up and catch the wheels of all the planes landing for an hour. I looked ridiculous. <laughs> Dina laughed at me the entire time. Mama Anita Karibusana. What is your favorite thing about uh, the U.S. so far? She's loved the people of America. They are welcoming, loving, and kind. Mm. And she's loved the environment, climate. It's just like Kenya. Mama Anita, what, what part of Kenya are you from? Unatoka wapi, Kenya? Atoka Bartabwa. She comes from Bartabwa. Bartabwa is in Baringo County, about 550 kilometers from Nairobi, yeah. down the hills near Kerio Valley. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, Anita? Uh, let's see if I can do this. Um, Nina Emba? Nita Emba? She says yes. Indio? Yes. All right. We've not done this anywhere. This child loves to give gifts, and she has a gift for you. We've, this is the only church we've done this at, and we, we talked about it literally on the drive down. And so she, she would love to give you a song, if that'd be okay. Yeah. Haribu. Wanamungu, wameniweka omimi, kando ya mdo. Penye maji mingi, bwana Mungu, bwana Mungu. Ameniweka mimi kando ya mdo. Penye maji mingi, bwana Mungu, bwana Mungu. Ameniweka Mungu kando ya mdo. Penye maji mingi, bwana Mungu. That song is basically based on Psalms, whereby God has placed me by the rivers of great waters, so I shall not die, I shall live. 
It's a powerful song to, for us to hear because um, ma- many of you, especially you Team World Vision runners, you've heard uh, me talk about Bartaba. World Vision Kenya is like the Apple computer of the clean water world, all right? They're the best. They, you know how world, Apple, Apple talks about the hardware and software? Android people, just chill for a second, okay? <laughs> all right, Apple talks about the hardware and software working perfectly together, all right? Hardware are the water projects that we grow and develop, all right? But the software is the reason why our projects last minimum 20 years. Longer, we love UNICEF and we respect UNICEF. Their projects last 13 years on average. Why do ours last so much longer? Because of the deep diving work we do and the people that we serve, which is what we call software. So Dina and Anita are a part of that. But right now, they do not have clean water in their community. So they live way out on the edge of Bartabwa, and uh, and that's been a challenge for us so far. And this year's been a year of challenge. We also... um, I know I'm talking a lot during the interview, but I have one more disclaimer to give. Um, we're going to uh, share a story with you that is um, a difficult story. And we prayed for a day, talked about it. What was the word God gave to Dina and to Anita to share with us? And she, Dina felt powerfully she was supposed to share this story. So if it's okay, I'm going to ask her to share it now. Um, Dina, what was, um, what was the biggest challenge you faced this last year? Dina, mwaka uliopita ni jambo gani ambayo ama shida ulikuwa nayo kubwa? Eh shida nilipata last year eh ni mtoto alikonjeka chicho macha na trika mpaka nikatembea hospital eh kabarnet kupika huko naenda nakuru kupika nakuru nikinyata hospital kupika huko tulikaa mwezi mbili na mtoto ndani ya hospital Last year, in their family, they had a challenge. The last born to Dina, called Faith, fell sick. She had a problem with her eye, and she was taken to the nearest hospital. She could not be treated. She was referred to the next cabernet. She still could not be treated. She was referred to Nakuru, the provincial hospital, still could not be treated until she was referred to Nairobi, Kenyatta General Hospital, where she was examined and found to have <coughs> cancer of the eye. The eye was operated and it was uh, removed, so now she has one eye. We thank God, she thanks God that the child is now well and back at home. So I'm gonna give you some real talk. Um, there are, uh, folks that are uncomfortable when we share these stories with churches because our ministry is so crucial and so urgent we want to always share the ultimate stories of victory okay we want to show what what's life like after world vision right now the family is locked into a life coaching paradigm with their world vision staff that means that health and wellness baselines have been set all right, there's been feasibility studies all around them for a variety of different things. And so when, when, um, when the family interacts with their staff, he, he is going to go back with their, his assistant, Gladys, who lives in the community, and they're going to break down every aspect of the family's life to see where they need help and they need encouragement. That's a part of the way World Vision does child sponsorship. But right now, there is uh, the medical care to deal with something like cancer, which was the diagnosis that the six-year-old had. Um, it's just not in Bartabwa. It's not in the Northern Rift Valley. It's not there. So, again, how far is Bartabwa from Nairobi where the hospital is? 550 kilometers. 550 away. kilometers. Mom and dad are there with the six-year-old, 
and Anita and the rest of the family are at home um, making it day to day. Anita, who took care of you while mama was away? Nani alikuwa nakana nini na akiwachunza wakati mama alikuwa hospitali? Benjamin. Is ben, did Benjamin do a good job? Alifanya kazi nzuri Benjamin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, her older brother, who's 18 years old, he held down the farm, the goats, watching the children, making sure they got to school. Anita, what time do you get up in the morning? Asubuhi wewe unaamka saa ngapi Anita? Saa 11:00. 5 a.m. in the morning. And what do you do at 5 a.m. every day? She goes to the river to fetch water and comes to wash utensils. Then she goes to school. Hey, hey. You're a wonderful student. You're a wonderful student. Can you translate I don't speak Kalenjin. I speak a little Swahili, but... Sorry for the awkward moment, but we're super proud of you. We're super proud of you. That's a three and a half hour round trip walk before she gets home to go to school. Then she goes to school. Then she does two more one hour walks at school because the school doesn't have safe uh, uh, and clean water accessible yet. But here's the good news. You're looking at one of the most awesome goat farmers in Bartabwa. Um, one of the things we're doing in, um, in our development work is discovering that sometimes um, the woman of the household is more gifted than the male. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> she's going to hit me later, but... She's incredible what she does. And so the, the farm is not a go-to-market farm. It's a sustenance farming environment, which is so tough. But they're crushing it right now. The goats, I asked Dina, how are the goats? How are the goats right now? Poa is good. Yeah, really good. She told me they're smart a couple days ago. The goats are smart, which is like cool in Kenya. All right. Um, so... There's a lot of support around food security. There's um, also, uh, even though the hospital had to be traveled to that could deal with cancer, there are medical centers in the community that are rising up to deal with everything from having, having children, delivering children, to other illnesses that the community faces. Bartabwa is growing and expanding, and we got really good news around the clean water front in Bartabwa. Could you share that? Okay. This financial year, our financial year for World Vision begins in October. We've budgeted and planned for water extension pipeline from a borehole, which is some distance far from Dina's place, but we're hoping that we'll be able to uh, extend that water to Anita's village so that she can have access to water. We request for your prayers. It's usually a tedious and uh, engagement with the county government and the community to have water go because we don't do it alone. So it's usually not a very fast-moving ex experience. So we pray for you. We ask for your prayers, and we thank you for your partnership and continued prayers. Can we put the uh, yes? Can we put the picture up of the water source that Anita goes to now? So that's where she gathers water from. I took that picture on my iPhone. And again, I'm just talking like an American would talk, all right? 
Um, you would not let your pet drink that water. You would not wash your vehicle with that water. Um, and that's all and the family has access to. And, and on that walk, I'll share some things later. There were some frightening things um, as well happened. First, the terrain is very frightening. And second, um, it's a very isolated place. And there are things that can happen in isolated places to children that um, are, aren't um, things that we, we, we completely and passionately want, want to avoid. Um, but uh, Mama Anita, what was the highlight or the good thing from this past year? Mama Anita, nini nzuri ilifanyika mwaka huu? Nambaya ulifuraia. Kitu alifanyika msuri. Atol ametusaitia nyumba msuri. She says that she's happy this year. She also managed to get a house put up for her family through support from Huddle. From Huddle, that's me. <laughs> I'm no Huddle. Ah. So, first off, this is incredible. Because of that life coaching paradigm, do you remember that? You can give birthday gifts. They're called gift notifications. You can give gift notifications through child sponsorship. And they will not just fall like into the immediate need at hand or, um, or, or, or whatever is right there. But the staff will go out and will sit down with the family and say, okay, here we are in our growth and development. How can we maximize these funds to radically bless this family? And then the family makes that decision. Put that picture up of the decision that they made. They got a home, guys, a home with a concrete floor. There's a real concrete floor, and it was done right, and it was leveled right, so it's not going to crack like in a year, you know. Um, it's a great roof. I asked uh, Dina uh, what her favorite sound was in Kenya, and it's the sound of the rain hitting the roof and, um, and the smell of the ground after the, um, the rain hits the ground is her favorite smell. And so these are hopeful things and exciting things, but we're, we're looking towards clean water in the community by the end of the year. I mean, I've got a World Vision Kenya child right here. You know, that if, if, we, if, if God provides that funding, the funding will change lives forever. And now I want to talk to you, if I can, one more thing about how World Vision applies those funds. Would that be okay? Yeah? All right. Asante Sana. Thank you so much, Cecilia, Dina, Anita. Please, thank you. Thank you. Sana. Yeah. Um. These interviews are, 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 they're tough. They're tough. It takes so much courage for a child to step out on stage and to speak about her life. And I, we're not behind the scenes saying, get out there and say X, Y, and Z. Cecilia and I have been very clear, unless mom and, and daughter say it, we're not going to translate it. We want them to, to say their story because we believe that God is transforming the planet with a global vision. Go make disciples of the next door neighbors. Yes, but the vision in Matthew 28 is go make disciples of all nations. Begin with the global vision. That will transform how you live locally. It will make an impact globally. And that's how world vision works. World vision works where God, the church, and the world come together. So what we do is we don't go to already established institutions and then work through them. We are helping the community grow the established institutions. The question is, Johnny, what community? The community where people are crushed, this is a technical term, by generational poverty. 
crushed by generational poverty. And this is what it looks like in the history-changing development model. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. That's what in Swahili is Christo Alitupa Uhuru Akataka Tubaki Uhuru. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. That's what we want to see happen in these communities. Go to the next slide. This is where it begins. This is Moses, who's a legend at World Vision Kenya. He led the Bartaba Barwisa region before handing it off to an amazing new leader. But uh, Moses is standing there presenting to us about all the different aspects of World Vision's development work. And that map behind him captures the vision. That map is a 50 kilometer by 50 kilometer region with everything from hospitals on it to schools on it to churches on it to water projects on it to tarmac roads. And that's a 15 year vision. So then what Moses does with our World Vision experts is they bid out exactly what projects need to happen when, and then they, they, uh, the, the community is all a part of these discussions. So it is the villagers themselves who do the work. They become hydrology experts. They become builders. They do this work. It's mind-blowing, guys. It's incredible. In Bartabo, they made the concrete for the water projects out of the rocks beneath their feet. Ashton Eaton, the gold medalist in the decathlon, was there with us seeing the work because he loves World Vision. And he said, Johnny, he's crying. They use these little Shawshank Redemption hammers, that little hammer, right? That's what they were using little hammers to make that concrete. Go to the next slide. I'm not going to go through them all right now, but these are the eight questions we ask before development begins. The first is, who are we? Who is World Vision? What does it mean to be a Christ-centered, global poverty humanitarian organization? Number one in the world at food security. Number one in the world at clean, not a boast, guys. I'm just describing the scale of how World Vision works. Number one clean water provider in the world that's not a government. Number two in the world in relief work behind the United Nations. But we don't want to be number one in relief. We want to be the best at community development. And so all these questions have to be answered. Who are we? Well, who are you villagers tell us your stories what is being done and again this is not me asking the questions but our indigenous leaders um like um like moses like cecilia brilliant educated lovers of the people lovers of jesus welcoming them into this vision what could be done what more could be done what can we do together who's going to contribute what the villagers give their lives to this and how do we manage this process together what's our structure going to look like and finally how's world vision going to transition Go to the next slide. The number one thing, 99% of the time, as you've heard many times today, is the lack of access to water. If you're bored with hearing about water, man, shake yourself out of that. Shake yourself out of that, guys. I was down on Skid Row. Nine churches unified with us on downtown L.A. yesterday. It was incredible. We did incredible work. Our our, uh, sponsored children led us out in a prayer walk for Skid Row. 100% of that community has access to clean water. Think about that. 100% of that community. There's so much brokenness that needs to be addressed there. But these kids, they don't even have water. This is what they're doing every day. Look at the next slide. 12 kilometers round trip on average carrying a 50-pound jerry can full of dirty water that's given them malaria, cholera, death by diarrhea, carrying sticks in their hands because they got to keep people away and animals away because many of these girls are alone when they're out there on that road. Go to the next slide. This is Ronald Amolo, one of our leaders in Bartabwa, who's a brilliant hydrologist. And he designed this project called the Slow Sand Filter. So I'm talking fast, but this is one of my favorite stories. That was a crummy little pond on top of a mountain, ruined by malaria. But Ronald figured out, and it was way smaller than what you're seeing, that there are two springs feeding that pond. So he capped those springs with all the villagers there, including Sheila, the woman on his left, who accepted Christ for World Vision's work. I asked him about the gentleman on his left. I said, is he following Jesus yet? And Ronald said, no. 
but soon. And I said, all right, sounds good, man. <laughs> um, so the villagers all went in while the springs were capped, and they hand-dredged out this massive lake. Before they uncapped the springs, they dropped two pipes into the lake that shoot out the side of a mountain. Go to the next slide. Into these tanks right here. That's the slow sand filter in Bartabla, which is not near where Anita and Dina live. But that filter right there does 576,000 cubic liters of water a day. That serves 8,000 people in a 10-kilometer by 10-kilometer segment of Bartaba. That's incredible. It was done in 10 months, and it will last forever. It's incredible, guys. Go to the next slide. One of the other things we have to deal with and keep going is child protection issues. That is, again, Anita's water source. When I stood there and took that picture, there were two men up in the hill looking down on Anita. And I asked her father, I said, do you know who they are? And he said, I, I, I don't know who they are. The number one source for rape among children in Kenya is the route they take to water every day because they're out there and they're exposed. Go to the next slide. That's my, one of our other sponsored children, Ava, who lives in northern Tanzania. Her sister, Halima, this beautiful, compelling woman on the left, told, she was married at 12 years old. 12 years old. I know, oh, Johnny, I've heard these stories before. Let me tell you, when you sit with somebody who was married at 12 years old, it will rock your world. You can't imagine how they see the world around you because they skipped an entire season of life that most of us aren't, get as Americans to be a part of and are entitled to. She told me Ava will be married by 14. Well, as of today, Ava is 19 years old. She is not married, got some prospects. But she's not married. She has finished school. She's doing great. She has a job serving two elderly men taking care of them. She, she has a heart to take care of those who are ill and actually those who are dying. She has a heart for hospice care. It's something God's given birth in her, you know. And that's the result of World Vision's influence in her life. That's Minion Guetta on the right who's a pastor in his local church and works for World Vision and translates all my letters back and forth to Ava. Go to the next slide. Last point I want to make. I'm going to hit this really quick. Education, y'all. You heard Anita talk about how she loves to study. One of the first places we hit with new bathrooms are the schools. The schools are always in grass huts, mud walls. We got a great bathroom there. We call it a VIP latrine. It's a ventilated latrine. It's safe. There's sanitation uh, aspects to it. It's dependable. It's done right. And that's her little school. The girl in the, uh, up, up at top, uh, uh, Gina Languni Genesis? Genesis? And Dio? It's faith. That's faith. That's the six-year-old faith. I'm so sorry I had a frozen moment there. That's the six-year-old faith who had to go to Nairobi and um, who is now healthy but had to face cancer as a, as a young child. That's her classroom. Go to the next slide. This is the kind of stuff World Vision does. That's a dormitory for young girls. 94 girls live in that dormitory on a school that's also on Bartabla. It's just on the other side of Bartabla. Um, my wife standing right there got to pray the prayer dedication over that school. An incredible thing, incredible thing. And, um, and uh, there, there are safe bathrooms inside. I mean, I, when I walked in, the thing I said, it's going to sound so American for me to say this, but I thought, I would let my daughter live in a dorm like this. The treatment that our families and children are getting is incredible. And that's all funded by sponsorship funds. Um, and go to the next slide. Um, 
Well, we don't have time for the video today. I had a short video I was going to show you, but it's of Moses loving on children. It's an amazing video. But Moses, uh, the ADP leader, said to me, Johnny, the vision of my life, my mission, is to restore the God-given worth of every child into that child's identity. He said to me, our children don't need to be given a voice. They all have voices. They need adults and leaders and prayer warriors like you and me entering into relationships with them so we can then create space for their voices to be heard. They can step into the wholeness and fullness of life that Jesus has promised for them. So today on your seats, there's a response card. You've seen the packets outside. Um, You are going to be given this opportunity to enter into a, a relationship like the relationship I have with Anita and Mama Anita with Dina. It's changed my life. And, uh, um, and I know maybe you've heard about sponsorship before. But guys, being a part of epic class-leading development like this is incredible. And knowing that we're having an impact on a, on, on a child's life like Anita's has really done what Jesus promised in Matthew 25. It's allowed us to see him, to see Jesus. And that's just transformed my family. Thanks so much for your time. Band, if you'll come out. Well, we've gone longer than usual. That's okay, though, right? Is that okay? Every once in a while to be, like, inconvenienced? It's okay? Okay. All right. Just want to make sure it's all right with you guys. I don't know how children's ministry feels about it right now, but we're going to love on them this week for taking one for the team. Um. Are we go, uh, Dina, Cecilia, and Anita, thank you for coming mm. to Sunridge. Mm. We like you too, Johnny. Are we going to their village in February? No, but we will place. probably get to see them. We'll get to see them. Yes. So I will see you in February. Um, you know, this month at Sunridge has been all about greater things. Jesus said in John 14 that those who have faith in him will do the things that he does, and they will do even greater things. And that's what we've been hoping for for Sunridge, for us and for you and for your family. We've talked about how if you're going to do something great, you you have to choose to do it. And, And you will never be able to do it from the comfort of your couch. It takes getting out of your comfort zone. Now, as your pastor, I can't tell you what God, I don't know your situation. I don't know what the next thing for you is in doing something great. But I can tell you that um, there's a whole bunch of kids, an unlimited amount of kids that we could sponsor. And they're, they're on strings out there. And I hope that when we leave this building, we don't leave them hanging. I have a um, little girl, girl right here in Kenya. Her name's Caroline. And she has the same birthday as me. And I think that that's pretty cool. Cindy and I sponsor kids, and uh, we're going to grab some more today. Because we can make a difference. We don't have to settle for the way things are. I hope, you know, again, it's like I'm not trying to twist your arm, but I am trying to awaken you, church, to the great opportunities that we have in this day. Greater things is about acknowledging 
the great challenges of our time, and yet moving us forward to make a difference in those. Our band is going to sing, and this is a song uh, about greater things that Jed and our team wrote. So I'm going to ask you to stand and sing with us. Uh, You'll have to catch catch the words, but do the best you can. And then Becky's going to dismiss us, and I, and I hope that as we leave today, we're prayerfully considering the opportunity that's before us today. Thank you so much, Sunridge.